Thank you for tuning in to episode 56 of Clipstream. My name is Chad Kenny, and joining me once again via Skype, in the two weeks since we've had a podcast, he's become a Twitch celebrity. It's Andrew Patterson. I can make you a celebrity overnight, Chad. I, I can see that. The way that. you do that is you just play video games and then people watch you. It's It, it seems like a very self-serving thing, but uh, but it's fun. It works. It's a good time. It is a good time. Well, it's nice that you have a new group of friends that watch you do things. New friends. I'm learning a lot about wine. I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a modern day renaissance man. I think that... What can I say? I think that this overhaul on your schedule is the reason why we've been a little inconsistent with the... The podcast the last week that and uh we kind of were just still hung over from thanksgiving absolutely i've been eating leftovers for days do you remember how bad uh the last podcast was we were coming off of that loss to the chicago the chicago male cows wasn't good it w- wasn't good <laughs> wasn't good didn't feel good it wasn't good at all there's a lot of chicago bulls fans there didn't have any good feelings about that one i didn't like the bulls fans and uh, your boy Dunleavy, he embarrassed us. Yeah, flat out, flat out. But the Clippers managed to turn it around on this trip, a trip that we optimistically had said, what, that we'd go. You said four and three. You said you were going to keep your expectations, you know, level as you always right. do. And, mm-hmm. and I said I had, I had said five and two. And... Although it was very, we we did hint at the possibility that this would be a catalyst to kind of turn the season around. Um, and in, in addition to our six and one road trip uh, final record, we came back to Los Angeles and had our first two real convincing blowouts of the season back to back against Minnesota and Orlando, respectively. The wave came back to Staples Center. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it, and I was not welcoming it, but you know, we'll take what we can get. Well, it helps when uh, it helps when you're playing some of the worst teams in the in the National Basketball Association. Uh, fact. Yes, and uh, fact. And the it, it's no coincidence that the one team we lost to is the best team in the Western Conference, and it wasn't even a close game for the most part. Um, let's let's go ahead and do a quick little recap of the. The seven-game road trip. I don't think there's a lot to talk about with the Wolves and, and Magic games that we just witnessed in the last two days. Um, well, I just want to talk about the the surpri- some of the surprising things or some of the things that stood out. Yeah, let's let's just do an right. overview. We won't do a game by game. Yeah, well, I think one of the most surprising thing, and when I factored in my prediction for the road trip, there was. There were three games that the Clippers played that were second nights of back-to-backs, which are generally, you know, the toughest ask uh, in the league. Uh, It's the toughest to get up for in the third quarter. It's tough to find your legs uh, coming out of that break. But, gosh, can the Clippers just play back-to-backs every single night? I mean... They're 5-0. Yeah, they just somehow... Rise to the rise to the challenge on every single back to back and and manage to win games that you know these are trap games. It's a lot. It's easy to say that you know the, oh this is a trap game if it's you know a, a underachieving team or something like that. But that's really a trap game when you're on the road playing a back to back against a sub uh, five hundred team. Those are the ones that you really have to worry about. And the Clippers just handled business. Yeah, I think in those. I games. think I had mentioned in the last podcast, but. Um, I think the reason why you and I weren't really 
you know, taking this road trip, we were thinking that we were playing like a low level of competition because even last year when we had gone to Florida, we lost to the Magic and the Heat. But the Magic, especially a worse team last year than they are this year, just got worked by them at home. And, uh, and so nothing, you know, a trap game is a trap game. It will always be a trap game. Uh, you know, it, that's just one of those things in the NBA. You're not going to get up for a team one night and then they're going to surprise you. And we've even seen this, even in the, on the road trip, you know, teams made a little comeback in the fourth. We had to have the starters come back in, you know, if we didn't, mm-hmm. if we weren't in a position that we were through three quarters, you know, just think about how games can slip away. So the Clippers were very impressive from top to bottom for the most part throughout the road trip. Well, let's just give you some stats for the last 10 games. For the Ben Kesslers out there, let's get the numbers. The Clippers rank first in offensive rating, second in defensive rating, uh, second in rebound percentage, which is completely a shock. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. That's not one of the calling cards of this team, at least to this point in the season, and first in true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage. These are all indicators that, I mean, the Clippers are, are scoring the ball tremendously uh, at a lights-out clip. I mean, they're leading the league in scoring over that same time period. But it also suggests that the competition has been extremely subpar. So, really, the those numbers don't tell the complete truth. Uh, the Clippers are playing well, but it's really somewhere in between um, the two extremes of where we were uh, after the Chicago loss and after losing to all of those uh, teams who are kind of the front runners right now in the standings, um, and then after playing like the best team in the league against all of these bottom cellar dwellers. Yeah, I think that I, I I like I like all those stats that you brought up. Another thing that's definitely increased without question is uh, transition buckets, points off turnovers. Um, you know, looking when when you're playing teams that play that bad. That are that, undis- that undisciplined and and uh, play terrible defense, as in the Minnesota Timberwolves, you're going to get a lot of easy buckets, um, especially a lot of those teams on the East. I I think that the highlight of the season it, it so has, far it for has it has risen. I would agree with I would agree with you in that respect, but it's has risen from nothing, right? Right. It, it was basically at zero. Um, but sometimes you know when the season. Sometimes when you're playing a video game on uh, intermediate or hard difficulty, you need to go back to easy and just just beat up just beat up on some guys to make yourself feel better and and know what you did well and you know maybe that'll help you get a little bit better when you face a, a middle of the pack team like you know the pelicans on saturday maybe we can get more into the los angeles clippers uh, mindset that we've been used to in the last two seasons which is lob city and i think that i don't know if they've found a delicate balance but like we need to embrace some of that a little bit more as well you know um, but should we talk about should we talk about the news? Blake Griffin winning his first award of the season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course, I'm talking about Blake Griffin winning the Player of the Week award for the Western Conference, and that's a, an interesting thing because really it's partially a, a team award, right? You know, it generally goes to a guy on a team whose team performed very very well over the past week, which the Clippers have. Um, but also, you know, you need the numbers uh, to a certain extent. You know, Blake was about top five in in, uh, in points there and, you know, somewhere in the top 15 in rebounds. Um, nothing that really jumped off the page and, and said the stats alone are why he's winning this award. But I think 
when you break it down, it's really just the way that he's doing it, right? Mm -hmm. um, the way that his game is improving, uh, especially from the perimeter. You know, there were times where it's stagnant and, and Blake doesn't make a decision, and then he just looks to get the ball back and do like a dribble handoff to a guard. Um, that's ha happening less. He's really surveying the floor more, um, going through all of his reads in terms of finding open shooters, um, and he's really just confident, you know, if nothing's there, just taking that jump shot. And the jump shot hasn't been great um, throughout the course of the season, but it's getting better. Um, teams are really having to start to respect that, and you saw that, uh, especially against Minnesota, against Utah, uh, that, that was a factor, and uh, against uh, the Magic. The Magic were just playing off of him, and Blake was just eating them alive uh, on mid-range jumpers. Um, so if he can keep that up, man, uh, there the Clippers' offense is going to be humming. As long as he's operating like that uh, and getting those touches out on the elbow um, and places like that, uh, then you're not going to really have to worry about the offense losing a beat. I don't think so at all, no. But you also don't want the offense to rely on jump shooting, which no. we've seen them become. I mean, even in the Orlando game tonight, the Magic outscored us by 10 in the paint, but we won by 20 or 30 points, you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. what does that say? I mean, you can only read so far into that. Obviously, there's a lot of garbage time in this game, but you don't want to also lose the intensity in the paint when you're going up against someone like Memphis, which I do want to touch upon a little bit in a second because that game obviously was, out of all the ones we played in the last 10 games, was, I think, the the greatest you know test for us that we've had this season. But sure. uh, the other thing I wanted to say um, was a, a huge highlight for this road trip for me was the first quarter of that game against the Miami Heat uh, about two Thursdays back. It was just such a brilliant quarter for the Clippers. It was by far their best half of the season. They really look like in top form. They're just swinging the ball with just such clarity and understanding of everyone's role. And I was really, really happy to see that. Um, and then I get to halftime, and Charles Barkley, uh, in 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 true form, just saying, you know how yeah, it's nice to to look that great when you're beating up on the Miami Heat, sans D Wade on a Thursday in November, you know. But you know, I think the same thing is that. Well, he had a point, right? right. Because then the next game they played the Grizzlies and got it handed exactly. To them, so. so as much as I want to look into winning eight of the last nine that one loss out of that nine almost says more than those eight wins do. Um, so let's talk about Memphis. Let's talk about what they look like now and what we look like now because they're a team that we're very familiar with. Obviously, we've gone to uh, gone to battle a few times with these guys, and they're, the, the DNA of that team hasn't changed much. Yeah, they added a few pieces like Udra and VC. Uh, you know, Lee looks like a solid contributor. Um, mm -hmm. as we, I think a lot of people had hoped he would be in his career. I don't know if it was just like the bad luck of some of the teams he had been assigned to, but, uh, what did you see in that Memphis matchup? And like, wh where, where do you, where are you scaling these two teams right now? One at the top of the West and the other right in the middle of the pack. I think you just saw, you know, a team that has a game plan of how to attack the Clippers. Um, and it works. Um, it's worked in the past, and it and it and it works now. Uh, and that's 
really make a concerted effort to take Blake Griffin out of the game um, and just rough him up and get him uncomfortable. Um, and they did that uh, extremely well. Blake had a really, really bad game in that game, and as he goes, the, Clipper go, the Clippers go. Um, Chris Paul, you know, to that point, uh, doesn't always turn it on uh, when the Clippers need him to. Um, he's been better about that as of late during this current win streak, but uh, yeah, the Grizzlies just have a sound plan of, of what they're going to do uh, to combat the, the Clippers on the defensive end, and I mean, it's not just the Clippers, it's every team in the league. Uh, they are the premier defensive team in the league, uh, bar none. Uh, and then on offense, you know, they're comfortable uh, with the contributions that they're getting from Courtney Lee, uh, giving them, you know, somewhat of an outside presence uh, in that starting lineup, uh, something that they have lacked sorely uh, in the past. And when Marcus Gasol is playing at the level that he's playing, uh, I think it's easy to say that he's been the best center in the league um, so far this point, traditional center, um, and he's a major part of why they're at 12-2. and two. Yeah, and you got to also throw in the, the fact that efficiency-wise, Mike Conley could not be a better point guard, uh, not, not only for that team, but you know you gotta got to think that he's one of the three or four best in the West, and he doesn't get credit for it. Um, the way that I think they gel, and especially those four guys that have been there for, what, the better half of five, six seasons now, it's it's scary, you know. I, they they have the best winning percentage in the NBA since January, and uh, it, it says a lot about how consistent they've been, sneakily consistent. Yeah, Conley's terrific, man. He's just a heady player, very smart, like understands the flow of the game better than a lot of point guards uh, in the league. You know, some of the more athletic guys who try to get themselves going. Um, or say, you know, I've got to pick up my team here and, and put forward more effort. Uh, Conley doesn't really do that. Uh, he just kind of puts himself into spots. Yeah. Uh, right? Oh, absolutely. To play, to play off of his other parts. Um, and if he needs to score, uh, he can do that. But most of all, he's going to get them into their sets. Um, he's going to play strong defense. Um, and he's just always going to make the right play. Yeah. Uh, it seems like. He's, he just doesn't, he doesn't really turn the ball over. Uh, and he just keeps them moving. Really, really quick question I have is, uh, you know, DeAndre has been pretty much a non-factor on offense. We've seen his free throw attempts go down considerably this year, which in correlation has seen the Clippers free throw percentage go up considerably, mm -hmm. especially on the road trip. We didn't see a lot of DJ Bricks. <laughs> DJ Bricks! <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Uh, DJ Bricks back-to-back -back with DJ Dents. Um but yeah, I mean, so DeAndre is, with the exception of obviously the lobs, uh, and and put and putbacks, he's kind of like a non-factor on offense, even more so I feel like than last season. A complete non-factor. Does that make the job easier for Memphis, where they know that they can kind of cheat over and and double team, make Blake Griffin's life really difficult? Um, if if DJ is not going to be even someone that they're going to even really bat an eyelash at. Sure. I mean, as long as you have a body somewhere near him uh, to pre pre to prevent him from jumping in the air, basically, uh, then you completely take him out of the offense for the most part. Uh, and if you don't over-rotate and guys are helping, which Memphis is the best at, uh, 
then yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a factor. Uh, they The Clippers have gone to him um, in certain situations. Um, I, I don't know if it's to get him going or what, but he has gotten touches in the post um, on, you know, like designed post-ups. Um, he just hasn't really been able to do anything with them. Uh, so yeah, he's completely limited limited to patrolling the baseline um, and just looking for a lob or a dump off um, from somebody who's cutting towards the basket and uh, his man rotates onto them. That's his all of his offense, and that's fine. Um, that's all the Clippers really need him to do. Uh, I don't really think... I mean, there have been times when Hawes has been there out there uh, instead of DJ. It's been, you know, few and far between. They don't... Doc likes to go with... Um, Hawes in that second year. Hawes and, Hawes and DJ. Yeah, that's a good um, one, Rather too. than Hawes and Blake. Well, we're used to Hawes in this. Right. We're used to DJ coming back in, in early in the second uh, for these last few seasons, you know, or at least last season. Doc did that a lot just to bring some more stability to front court rotations and stuff, bringing DJ in with that second unit because they lack rim, rim protection um, if you're going to go with Hawes and Baby. So, right. and, and last year it was even worse, I think. I, we didn't have a backup big at all. Um, you know, Holland's a walking foul. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I guess Haas, when we see a game like he had against Minnesota, you start to you start to think, okay, well, we're still getting that production from the four or five um, in other ways. But you know, it yeah, that's that's the way that you have to look at it, right? Yeah, um, that it's not just one player; um, it's the position, and you'll make up for it in the aggregate, and that's being done. Uh, you know, as of late, I, I mentioned that the Clippers are, you know, one of the best shooting teams in the league over their past 10 games, you know, they're second in the league in, uh, three pointers and, you know, partially that's Chris Paul. Um, JJ Redick has come on to find his shot. Uh, he's, you know, putting in a couple threes a game, even if he's not shooting a great percentage, mm-hmm. Uh, and then Hawes is starting to find his range as of late. Don't forget and, Jamal. And Barnes. Don't forget Jamal. And Barnes is chipping in. Well, Jamal's, you know, Jamal is is Jamal, right? Uh, I don't think he's going to be torrid every single night. And he's had some struggles uh, recently um, scoring the ball. So that's going to be more up and down. That's going to be more inconsistent. Uh, but as long as you can make up for it in the aggregate, then it's not going to be a problem. And and Chris is is playing really really well right now. He's shooting at an um, unbelievable clip, um, especially on the yeah, road trip He's from all play. over the floor. But don't you feel really. like don't you feel like that that's like a very telltale sign that CP three and Blake just need to kind of be the guys on most nights, especially against elite teams, because we've seen them be extremely efficient, but the amount of unselfishness is actually daunting, I, I think, in some of these matchups. Yeah, I mean, they got, they got to be willing to not pass the ball uh, on certain possessions, right? Um, especially if it's a situation where, you know, we are in the third, second, third quarter, something like that. Um, you got a guy in foul trouble or something like that, um, and you have an opportunity to attack that person, then by all means, just go for it, even if it's not the best quote-unquote, the best shot. Right. Um, so, but, you know, their offense is running through those two guys. Like, Chris is touching the ball more than just about anybody in the NBA, um, even though he's not, you know, finishing plays. Mm-hmm. 
necessarily. But when he does, he's doing Chris Paul things, right? He's sw uh, switching onto a big, or you know, getting a big to switch onto him, and then breaking him down and, and taking a jump shot. Or he's getting a switch. He's from, hitting. He's getting a pick from uh, DJ at the high elbow, and then he comes over and does his, you know, his pull up J at like seventeen yeah. feet out. Yeah, right from the elbow. That shot's always there for him, and he's been shooting the ball well from three as well. So that just puts more pressure on the defense. And then one of the best things is that Redick and Barnes have started to attack the basket somewhat more. Yeah. Um, you know, Barnes is always going to slash every now and then, but the the real marked improvement has been that, that Redick is starting to do that. Um, he's starting to put the ball on the deck and put pressure on the defense that way. Um, for a guy who's 30 years old, he's been making some pretty athletic, like up and under layups and things like that. I think so. Yeah. And, and when you have him, uh, doing that and contributing in that way and, and stretching the defense in that way, uh, just being unpredictable, that's why you're really seeing that Clippers start starting unit, uh, really humming. Um, one last question before we wrap up the mm -hmm. recap, who's has stood out to you in this in these last nine games, who's like really kind of caught your attention out of anyone on the team, anyone unexpected or someone that you think has been, you know, really coming out of their shell since the first, you know, I don't know, 10 games. Sure. I mean, the biggest one is Hato, right? Because with CDR, <laughs> with CDR going down, um, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I know. I'm I, being I, dead serious. I love... And it's crazy that we're talking about no, this. No, it's not. I mean, it, it is. It's insane. It's crazy that, that we're talking that about this seriously. Actually playing, playing. Yeah, he's actually playing meaningful and productive minutes at the backup three, um, and it does some interesting things because you bring him in first um, for Barnes or Redick, presumably, right? Because Crawford will come in first, um, but that just allows you know the starters to stay on a little bit longer, and then before you move to that full backup rotation. Uh, with Farmar and, and Big Baby and, and Hawes and things like that. Uh, you know, Barnes has been on on the sideline for a while, so he's ready to come back a little bit early, and that really solidifies the defense. If you bring Barnes and DJ together with Crawford, with Farmar, with Hawes, um, and limit the minutes that, you know, Baby and whomever else are playing, yeah, uh, that's a real boon because that's, that's a unit that isn't going to be great defensively, um, but Barnes and, and DJ definitely help on the defensive end. And then offensively, you've got options with, with uh, Hawes and, and Farmar spreading the floor and then uh, Jamal being the primary playmaker. But the thing so Hato, Hato has been shooting the lights out. Um, he's been spry um, for, by Hato, Hato standards, standards <laughs> right? Um, he's not going to you know, win a foot race against any wing in the NBA, but he's doing enough to position himself well. Um, get up and down the court at a reasonable rate and pitch in on the boards. He's got a great. Uh, he needs to. He's got a great pickup league kind of mentality right now. You know, he's like he's the older dude at the uh, at, you know at a pickup at like a twenty four hour fitness, who's mm -hmm. definitely the probably the the most out of shape other than baby. And uh, well, the thing is, is that we we got Hito you know halfway through the season last year, and and Doc had you know we'd seen some flashes of something that he used to be. But Doc had said that, you know, if he came back after the offseason in shape, then he was guaranteed a spot. So, you know, it wasn't really confirmed till late in the offseason, but we did get him back. And, you know, Hito in good shape for his age and, like, what he's been through, 
he's still smart. He's his basketball IQ is still through the roof. Um, and yeah, and as long as he's shooting the way that he is uh, and making threes and you know chipping in, you know five to eight points or whatever it is, then that's huge. And you're gonna okay, you're gonna lose some possessions where maybe he doesn't close out on someone fast enough, or he loses his assignment for a second, you know, on maybe a screen or something. But for the most part, he's been serviceable on defense. I think a, a really cool thing was. I forgot if it was the Orlando game or it was one of the games on the road trip where Hito got four open looks. Um, I think he came in towards the end of the first. So Blake was passing up open mid-range shots to get it to Hito. I mean, like, somewhat contested mid-range shots to get it to Hito wide open. And mm-hmm. Hito missed four. Four threes in a row to start the game. Mm-hmm. But there's this veteran understanding where he just didn't stop. And he continued to make his next two. Oh yeah, he's never gonna stop. But that's good. That's good because he needs he needs ball. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we know this about Hayden. No, but my point being is that he needs ball. He, he subsequently sank the next two, you know, very convincingly. So, uh, you know, that's thirty three percent, but it's, you know, or it's still good. That, it's still that, that works. It works. That works for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they're going yeah, so, to give it to you, I mean, who know, who knows how who knows how long that's that's going to last? Um, I much would prefer him in there over Bullock. Uh, certainly, C.J. Wilcox got his first action of the year uh, tonight, but really, you know, is not ready. He needs time uh, by any means. Yeah, like just in terms of defense, uh, he looks lost out there. Um, so he's not going to be an answer. And then C.D.R. You know his basically out indefinitely. Um, and even if he does come back, you know, he didn't really show anything except uh, to start the except year. Except so. part of his uh, lower thigh. Correct. <laughs> is the only thing that he showed. Correct. Um, yeah, I mean, CDR was one of those things where you take a gamble, you hope that it pays off. You know, I'd, Yeah, very low risk. I'd like to see Cunningham get in a little bit more because, you know, I feel like if you just settle him down a little bit more and... Don't make every minute that he's out on the court feel so important because he doesn't get PT. That you know, Cunningham could be a nice little you know fire 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 plug, fire starter fire starter, spark plug uh, off the go. bench. And uh, you know, Farmar's been hold on hold on a second, Chad. I gotta go plug this fire. fire. <laughs> Where is my fire plug? Where is that thing? <laughs> Farmer has been decent, you know. He takes a lot of pull-up jump shots. I think that's the one he's com- most comfortable with. But I think the spot up is is his primary, right? He's you know going to the corners. Um, he's spotting up there where he's a pretty good shooter um, and hitting some stuff above the break as well. He's better there though. When he does the break, he does pull up on the wing from three sometimes on like a two on two or something mm-hmm. or like a one on mm-hmm. three. Which I mean. I understand like what the benefit to like pushing the lead up to that is in that situation because he'll generally be playing in like a late second quarter, fourth quarter situation. So it's kind of like you're trying to put the ball game away. But I'd like to see Farmar get some more meaningful minutes as well because you know. But that's a situation where I'm okay with it if he's open, right? Because the alternative is you let the defense come back and basically get, get set in their set yeah. get set right and then you're gonna be just playing jamal iso ball and relying completely on jamal to create boy did we see a lot of that works sometimes work it works sometimes and when it does it looks awesome but there are gonna be times where that does not work at all 
and then you're getting absolutely no production from your second unit and going major, you know, stretches of time where you're not scoring the way that you need to in order to win basketball games. So yeah. as, as long as he's open, man, I'm giving him the green light. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'd like to see some, who knows, like a Chris Paul uh, Farmar set or something. I don't know. I think Farmar, when he has to run the offense, you lose about you know thirty to forty percent of what Jordan Farmar is great at. Um, you know when he's on those. I don't think he's had to run the offense at all. No, that uh, there have been very <clears throat> few times. Well, yeah. no, but I'm just saying, like, he's not a true point guard. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I mean, he does point guard things. Like he's good at stealing the ball, and he is a good facilitator. But what you're, like you're saying, like he is a great spot up guy in the corner. So just want to see a little bit more. I'm not just focusing only on Farmer. I'm just saying just yeah. other things we can look at. Um, there's a lot of Jamal Crawford in the last seven games. Uh, Th- there's going to be. There is always going to be because he's the only option you have on offense. And the, the Clippers uh, broadcasting team unit. on both radio and TV just fawn over him, which, I mean, I do as well. I, I love the guy, but, you know, <laughs> he's, 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 an irish- he's an irrational confidence guy. And... Uh, we saw it not work sometimes on the trip too, um, but you, you got to value those twenty points off the bench. Yeah, I mean it, it's peaks and valleys, right? Um, there's not there's not a lot of middle ground. Uh, either it's going great or really good, or it's going really really bad. And then he'll hit a four point play, and you'll forget everything that happened. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and look at these uh, next two games coming up Saturday we're going to be hosting the New Orleans Pelicans at home we're going to be seeing one of the best at players in the NBA who sort of dominated the conversation of his best big man in the Western Conference I would say uh, used to be a Blake, Kevin Love, LaMarcus Aldridge kind of trio and now it seems like Davis has sort of supplanted himself as the premier big man in the NBA. What are you What are you looking for in this game against the Pelicans? Just to see how Davis plays Blake and how effective he can be. Um, because like I said earlier, you know, as Blake goes, the Clippers go. Um, if Blake doesn't have a good game, that's going to be really tough for the Clippers uh, to win that game. And then what that matchup does is, you know, how do you play Davis on the other end? Uh, how do you defend Davis? Do you f- defend Davis with Griffin, or do you defend him with Jordan? Um, because there are going to be times where Oshik's out there, and then that's going to be make absolute sense. But Ryan Anderson has been playing very, very good basketball for the Pelicans as of late. He's a very, very uh, shooting good the ball player. tremendously. Yeah, shooting the ball tremendously, um, as we know that he can, but just just playing really well for them. So that presents its own problem because when he's out on the floor with Davis, uh, those are two guys who can step out and put pressure on you um, either by jump shooting or by driving. Um, so <laughs> I, I have real, uh, not doubts, uh, but I'm concerned uh, as, to, as to how the Clippers are going to go about defending that combo specifically. Uh, if they're going to put Jordan on Davis uh, and basically let him shoot from mid-range because, um, you know, DeAndre's going to jump at pump fakes and and probably get some stupid fouls and things like that, and the Clippers haven't been great, you know, when those two guys are playing out on the perimeter of staying on their man. Yeah. Because uh, to, to, they're going to want to help and collapse 
and then that's exactly when they take advantage of you with Ryan Anderson. Uh, and Chan, they, the, the Magic just did that with Channing Fry as well. So uh, that's, that's the main cause for concern. Um, otherwise, you know, I think in terms of the backcourt matchups, you know, they have some athletic guys who are going to present problems and make it tough for you, make life tough for you. Somewhat. But as long as the Clippers are playing within their offense, then I think in terms of, you know, on a, on a scoring basis, um, and even defending those guys, uh, they'll they'll be they'll be okay. the The real matchup is going to be in the front court. Yeah, I think that a good a good way to approach this game is just you know let Davis have his twenty seven to thirty two points if that's the kind of night he's going to have, and you just take everyone else out, mm-hmm. and that you'll win a game. <laughs> you'll yeah. win a game that way. Uh, you know, if you know Anderson's going to be uh, productive off of people collapsing on on Davis, and just don't just allow Davis to have his one-on-one and just make sure that no one else gets it on the perimeter. You know, don't let Luke Babbitt get 10 points. Don't let, (laughs) don't let John Salmons come in and take seven. You know, they don't have Eric Gordon right now and he was a non-factor to begin with. So basically don't let Drew Holiday be a factor. Don't let Austin Rivers. Don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, don't let Tyreek Evans have a triple double and you know, you should be good. Yeah, don't let any of them uh, those short don't, shorter guys. Don't let them do anything. Don't let those shorter guys do nothing. The only other game to look at is this Suns game on Monday, but we could save it for next podcast. Um, sure, sure. Which will probably come sure. out on Monday, so we might as well just say should be a. I, I think we need to beat the Suns at this point in the season. So it just yeah. it just seems like a no brainer. I would agree. We've with only that. beaten one team in our division, and we've played three of them. So this will be the fourth team we've played in the division this season. And I feel like if you don't get a win against the Suns at this point in time in the regular season, uh, you know, you're not really asserting your dominance in your own division. Yeah, you know, the Suns are a team on the decline. And that means in the Western Conference, they've only won six of their last uh, six of they're only six and four in their last 10 games. So they're playing above 500 basketball, but they're definitely on the decline. Well, the thing is, is that the reason why this... Te- Isn't that crazy? Well, <laughs> it's crazy that we call a team on the decline after one year, but I think... No, 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 but I, I mean, just like recently, just uh, just as in in terms of like the power rankings, right, of, of this current NBA season, if you're playing, you know, at around 600 uh, at a win percentage in the Western Conference... Right. You're you're not good enough. No, you're not. But uh, you're good enough to be uh, what better than the Cleveland Cavaliers and number one in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, th- you'd be you'd be like the the number three seed out east. The thing is, is is I think a lot of people were drinking the Kool Aid of the Phoenix Suns last year because of how they were able to just completely defy expectations. And, you know, they're an exciting team to watch. You got Joel Green, you got the two-point guard thing, now you got the three-point guard thing, you got the Morris Twins. The Morai. The Morai. Um, and, you know, Plumley, who's a, a lunch pail guy. I hate that term, but he is. Um, so you, you like that? You like what they bring to the table, but try doing it two years in a row in the West. You know? Now you go into... Uh, the, you, the thing that everybody points to is that, you know, they, they let Channing Fry walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't going to pay him all that money that he got from Orlando, um, and that definitely has changed uh, the the makeup of their offense. Well, Fry's um, been pretty poor as well over in Orlando. So yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, 
it, but I mean, it, it just, it just is, it, it's a different look, um, to their offense. It's, it's an adjustment for all of their guys and it's still early in the season. So who knows if they're going to find a groove. They're also trying um, to invest some, something that works, invest some time and energy into Alex Len just to see if that kind of pays off. But as I was saying in our Western conference preview, it'd be nice to see TJ Warren get some burn because you know, that's some wing production they can use. But I don't think scoring is going to be the, an issue for them. I think it's really going to come down to defense. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that's... I'd agree with that. And I think that they can only get better as time goes on just by playing Len more. Yeah. Um, because he... Like, He's big. That, that dude is huge. He's huge. <laughs> he is enormous. He was, he was looking to be number one overall last year when it was all up in the air. Um, mm-hmm. That's a nice piece that you stash. You still win 48 games, and now you have the opportunity to introduce him into a winning culture. Um, and that that's always good for the development of a big guy. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, he, he has all the tools, right? He, he's got he – can, he can step out, and he's got a moderate mid-range game. But, I mean, just being that big around the basket, um, being that active on defense, and being pretty athletic for a guy that size, um, he's got all the tools. It's just a matter of – he really needs to assert himself more um, because he's really looking, you know, mainly to play off of guys um, when, you know, he needs to take advantage of of that very unique skill set that he has, um, and that'll happen uh, over time. I'm not really worried about him. I mean, I'm 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 worried about him <laughs> as, from as a Clipper fan. You're worried, but, yeah. yeah. He's great. Um, well, looking forward to these two games, Andrew. Uh, just wanted to wrap this up. Is there anything that you want to say to our very, very kind fans before we leave? No, put a bow on it. Um, oh, yeah, one thing. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Orlando Magic game that the Clippers just played, uh, they finished the game scoring 114 points. And it was awesome to see Section 114 go ham. Oh. Um, and I assume that they're going to get some tattoos, and I'm ready to see some of those on Twitter. So why are they going to That's going to be awesome. Why are they going to get tattoos? Because the Clippers scored 114 points in a home game. So that... that they they got to commemorate it by getting tattoos. Right, right. That's the thing. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> are they going to get the box score on their forearm? I don't know. I, I would do something along the lines of like an LAC or maybe, you know, those uh, nautical flags. That would be pretty cool, right? No, no, no. It's too no? it's too ambiguous. I feel like you got to get just straight up Danny Manning's face, you know? Oh, no, that's not good. Good old lan- lanky good. Danny Manning. Never forget the curse. No, no, no. Stoiko Vrankovic's face. Stoiko Vrankovic next to Marco Jaric. Yeah. And Yaroslav Korolev. Sure. Yeah. The Holy Trinity. <laughs> all right well check us out on twitter at clipstream uh facebook itunes podcast store and soundcloud all of those things and uh be good be good to your neighbors and we'll talk to you soon bye happy christmas ron